Welcome to episode 77 of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Warren Bubb. Warren Bubb is a professional actor and speaker. He has been on shows such as Orange is the New Black, Gotham, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and FBI. He got his start on Wall Street. He then worked for a company known as Verizon. He worked there for 20 years before he officially retired from there. During his time there, he started auditioning for roles. He took acting classes and worked under a coach. He learned as much as he could. He would take days off from work and use up his vacation days to go audition. He always did what he could to get better. He dealt with a lot of rejection. That's what happens in this industry. But that didn't stop Warren. He built relationships and kept going. He improved his skills with each appearance. He stayed active. This is an episode you don't want to miss. Listen to the episode to learn how Warren elevated his acting career. Visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash nodegree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today, I have a dear friend, and yes, he's actually a friend in real life, Warren Bubb. He's actually an actor, and he's been on Orange is the New Black, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and a bunch of other shows. Do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, my name is Warren Bubb. Like you said, I, I live here in New York City. Um, been an actor now for probably going on... 15 years now maybe more well i started out as, as a model years ago but i've been acting like about 15 16 years the last 10 years really full bore at it so yeah no, i mean that's cool man so what are some shows you've been on um well you just said um uh, orange new black um uh, the marvelous mrs Maisel, uh fbi uh um i know i'm forgetting a couple of just quite a few um well, you mentioned I, you were on Law and Order once. Yeah, Law and Order a long time ago. Um, and I just finished up an episode of uh, Power, Book Two, Ghost, which will be out. I think it comes out in November. Um, and oh gosh, I, I'm I'm leaving some stuff out. I know. Yeah, I am. All right, don't worry. We'll we'll definitely like search it up and kind of do that. So let's kind of take it back. Let's go to high school. Like, what do you want to be in high school? High school, I wanted to be an athlete. I was uh, I was a hockey player. I was a good hockey player um, uh, from my high school, St. Raymond's here in the, in the Bronx, where I still live. That was my passion. That's what I wanted to do. I was always athletic. I played football. I played hockey. I played baseball, softball. Um, just didn't play basketball. I was I was too physical. I used to foul out all the time. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, that was my plan. I mean, I, I, I went through high school, and I played – um, a lot of ice hockey. I played some uh, semi-pro ice hockey. Um, some travel teams that went around in, in the area um, and uh, Empire State Games. Tried out for that. Um, I had my eyes on the um, the '88 Olympics, dating dating myself. Um, but um, injuries, and I just realized that then I just wasn't at that level where I needed to be. Um, so I just I kicked around for like a number of years, just playing you know men's leagues as I got older, and and I enjoyed. It. I really enjoyed. It. I coached it a little bit too. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to do. But, you know, life takes its turns. So would you do sort of after that? After that, after high school, uh, I went to college for about a year or so. And um, college wasn't for me. I went to a community college and it just wasn't for me. It wasn't panning out. I it was I was a late, um, you know, getting getting classes. I got in late in late admissions. So I uh, wound up getting a job down in the Wall Street um, area. Um, worked down there in the uh, purchasing and sales department of a uh, bond and stock house. I worked there for a number of years. Um, then in, uh, the market crashed, and um, I found after I I was at, at that time I wanted being a supervisor. And as I laid off everybody, and as soon as I finished laying off everybody in my department, my boss laid me off. Oh man! So he made you do all the dirty work, yeah, and yeah. then he laid you off. Yes, then he laid me off, and then I went to. Uh, I came back, you know, came home, and uh, uh, I my uh, my father, my stepfather, uh, worked at the time. He was working for uh, New York Telephone, which is now Verizon. He said, "Take the test." I said, "I know nothing about telephones, nothing at all about the communications." I was a I was a white collar guy, so to speak. And uh, so anyway, so I went and took the test, uh, and long story short, I passed it, and. Uh, I did uh, 30 years in the uh, in, uh, phone company for Verizon. I retired about three and a half years ago, uh, but I was still doing acting both at the same time. As, as acting was starting to grow, you know, I 
you know, I, I saw that I could leave because acting was, you know, <clears throat> giving me enough income and, and my pension and stuff like that from Verizon. I was able to go, um, you know, leave and, and, and it was the best decision I ever made. So when did you get your first acting gig and when did you decide that you wanted to become an actor? Years ago, um, I was 23, maybe 22. And there was this thing out um, called Faces International, which is a magazine for, you know, quote unquote, new models, so to speak. So, you know, back then I was in good shape. I was an athlete. I was a good looking guy. I was thin. I, you know, I, I have green eyes, you know, so, you know, that was the thing. And so I went and I did some modeling for a little bit, shot some pictures and stuff like that. They sent me to a couple of uh, classes for like commercials and stuff like that. It just wasn't for me. I, I, I did, you know, I shot some stuff, you know, I did some, some like, uh, you know, magazine stuff, which never got published, but I mean, you know, you just shoot stuff and it's sometimes it doesn't get published, but, uh, I, I just didn't like it. Um, I felt like there was no challenge for me. And then when I took those courses that they let us take some, these, um, uh, commercial courses and when I'm doing a couple of small commercials, I kind of liked it, you know, and when I was a kid in grammar school too, you know, the, you know, the old, the old cliche, everybody has the same story, the Christmas play, everybody, every school has a Christmas play. So I did that. I kind of liked it, but I was very nervous. I was always at a lot of stage fright when I was younger. I didn't like speaking in public. Um, the way I got to be able to speak better was I was coaching high, um, football for a pop run organization here in the Bronx called the Morris Park Lions. And by working there and getting to speak to a lot of kids as you know, I was still a kid myself. I was still in my late teens, early twenties. Um, I, um, had to talk and getting to talk in front of them, getting to talk to the parents, getting to talk at the awards dinner in front of, you know, hundreds of people, you know, you, you get over that stage, right? And that's how I get over that. And then, um, fast forward to God it had to be 16 years ago. What is it? 221? Probably 2005. Yeah. Somewhere around there. My friend was working at a, uh, a small studio out in uh, city Island called Harrington towns, which is still there. And I still do work with them every once in a while. And, um, one of my friends was just working there. He says, Hey, didn't years ago, like you used to do modeling and acting work when we were kids. I said, yeah, but I haven't done anything in like 10, 15 years. He's like, well, they're, um, they're doing this film, this short film. And there's a detective there. It just reminds me of you. I said, I said, dude, I haven't done anything in so long. He says, well, I got you an audition for tomorrow. Like, tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He says, here's the sides. So he gives me the sides. Now, back then, there was no emails. So he gives me the sides. And um, I went and I read for it. And so be it, I got it. It was a sm small role in a small film. It you know, never went anywhere, but it was just got me going. I met people there on the set that actually were in the neighborhood, li lived in the neighborhood. And I, I had to play detective. And I did this one scene where we were in like an interrogation room and uh you know i had my lines i did my scene and after the scene was over one of the guys came up to me he was like the prop master and the set designer and he's like um how long have you been acting i says about 15 minutes so he starts laughing there's no really i says no dude i've never done anything in my life never had training nothing i just you know yeah he said, well where'd you come up with that i said well i played this cop and all my friends who i know are cops i took all their stories and i put it into me and i made it me and he says i'm an ex-cop he says oh, so really he says, yeah he goes where do you live i told him where i live he goes wait you live right up the block from me you're five houses away from me now i never knew this guy tired cop lives up, still lives up still lives up the block his name is billy lappy good guy and um he said listen we're, we're doing these um workshops down in a bar in, in in the south bronx you know He's like, and we invite uh, screenwriters to bring their, their work in and a couple actors come in and they read their work. Would you like to come? So I'm thinking to myself, sure, why not? You know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a no, you know, it's a no brainer. I mean, I'm not paying anything. I'm getting, I'm getting to go to class for free. So I get to do different things. I get, to, you know, people who are at that time, you know, at that time I'm thinking, oh, these are like big time screenwriters, but they weren't, they were small time people like I am. And, um, at the time. I mean, now some of them have gone on and wrote major movies and stuff like that. But, um, I did that for a while. And, um, I remember we were, we were sitting there doing this one scene from this guy's, uh, uh, movie he was, uh, writing. And I sat there, I did the scene and we took a break and the writer comes over to me. He's like, how long have you been doing this? And my friend Billy, who I met a week earlier, he goes, tell him. I says about one week and 15 minutes. And he starts laughing. I met some people and then the internet started becoming really alive 
where, you know, people started telling me about breakdown sites where you go and you get, find out where the jobs are. And that was only years ago. That was done through backstage and you had to walk around the city and give out your headshots and resumes and stuff like that. So then I, um, I said, you know what? I said, you know, people are pushing, oh, you should do this. You know, you, you have a, you have a natural talent that, 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 you know, and you know, people always blow smoke up, you know? And so I'm like, you know what? I said, let me give it a year, see what I want to do. Number one, do I want to do this? And number two, can I do it? So I said, I'll give myself a year. I'll see where I stand. So I went and I, um, made a, uh, a profile on one of these, um, casting sites, these breakdown sites, and you have to put in a resume. Now, obviously I have no experience. I put down this one movie, which I did, which, you know, it's a small short film. I did that. And then I made up like three or four other films that had no, they were totally fake. The only thing real on my, on my first resume ever was probably my name and my phone number. That was about it. Everything else was just like, you know, I'd lo look around the room and say, you know, federal, benefit you know and that was the name of the film by jonade you know and i'd make up a name you know and, and i did that and you know you couldn't do that today because back then there was no internet there was no imdb you can check everything so um i did that and if anybody who's listening or watching don't do that if yeah, you're getting to start in the, in the business do not do that that is a no-no because they will find you and they will blackball you and you will not get you know any work but uh so i did that you know and then i said okay so I started doing some background work. I applied and I went down and I, uh, I, I did a bit on uh, law and order as a uh, court officer. And I started doing that a little bit and uh, did another one. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to start submitting into some films. So, you know, short films, student films. So now I'm thinking, okay, like the first year I did that, I, I probably did about 35 to 40 student films. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is good. I, I must be really good. Everybody's booking me. Not knowing that student films, they don't care about the actors as long as you can speak the language and form vowels. It's all about their camera shot. So I remember I was like booking all these things. And I knew nothing about the business. I knew absolutely zero about anything. And I'm booking these things, you know, and, you know, of course, my family, my friends, oh, when's this coming out? I said, this is a short film. What does that mean? Is it, is, when's it going to be in the theaters? I said, it doesn't work that way. It's not going to be in the theaters. No one's ever going to see it. Well, then why are you doing it? Um, I have to explain, you know, you have to, you have to start working at your craft. You have to start, you know, it's like anything else. If you're an athlete, you have to work out and practice and rehearse, you know, same thing as an actor, you're rehearsing in sports, you're practicing muscle memory. You know, there's a lot of things that go on with acting that very much relate to sports, which is why I think I was fortunate enough that I was able to pick up on things. Um, so, and that's, uh, and here I am today. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So looking back, did you ever think you were going to get to the stage? Cause you kind of just fell into it, right? Like what was your goal? Yeah. I, I, um, I was lucky. I really was. Um, the first feature film I ever did was, I couldn't even tell you the name of it. And, uh, I met a guy there that we just hit off as friends. We're still friends, still very dear friends to this day. His name is Michael Galante. And, um, he basically was, he was ahead of me. He started a little bit sooner than I did. He was a little bit younger than me. And, I'm the kind of guy that I don't care how old you are, whether you're older than me, younger than me. If you have knowledge, I'm going to take it, you know? And he had a lot more, excuse me, he had a lot more knowledge in the industry than I did. So I listened to him and he basically mentored me. He helped me out with a lot of different things and showed me different things. And, you know, he gave me up a plan, said, do it this way, do it that way, do these things in chronological order. And, you know, you'll, you know, that'll give you a better uh, chance of being successful. So I said, I said, well, now that I'm, I'm really going to dive into this and do it, you know, um, I said, I want to give myself three years to get, now the internet was starting to really explode and become something, you know, important. I said, I'm going to give myself about three years to get myself a website, um, a true resume, <laughs> a reel, and uh, some good headshots. So um, I did that. I went out and I bought my name on, um, I think it was GoDaddy. And I bought my name, which I still have, which is warrenbub.com. And I bought it. I, it sat there for three years. Because back then, what was happening is everybody was buying the dot coms and the dot orgs. So a bunch of these guys who are, you know, computer geniuses, they are geniuses. They went out and they bought Pepsi.com, you know, Coca-Cola.com, you know, all these different IBM.com. And then when these companies tried to get them, they couldn't get them. These guys held them for basically for ransom and sold them to them. So, you know, they made a lot of money and God bless them. You know, that, that's, you know. So I did that. I just went out and bought my name and let it sit there for three years. And um, I started to build up resume, a true resume. Like I said, I started doing some extra work, started doing some short films, some student films, 
And I started getting the footage and making a reel out of it. Now, it wasn't a great reel, but it was something. Because in today's world, the way the eating business works, as opposed to before the internet, you need, you know, um, headshot, resume, um, uh, a reel, and obviously a website. Those are the four things you need when you're getting started. Um, as you get established, not so much as much because now people know who you are anyway. But um, that is definitely uh, important to, uh, to get started to do that. And that's what I did. So I, you know, I uh, gave myself three years and I said, I'm going to get that done. And I got lucky that I had the opportunity to join the union, which is SAG-AFTRA. And uh, that's a game changer for you. And uh, almost three years to the day that I wanted to do all this is I, I, I got a, a letter from SAG because I wound up doing some small, uh, with the, the beginning of what was called web series, which and now everybody knows. Back then, it, no one knew what it was. I did a small web series and had a small line. I think I said, you're fired. And it wound up that it was a SAG you know, project. So because I was on and I said words, you automatically become eligible. It's very hard to get into the union. So I, you know, I, I did that. And, um, you know, and like I said, it just kept growing and growing to where I am now. I've heard it's amazing to get into union. Like, what are the benefits? Like why, like, you know, cause I remember when I first met you, the guy was like, you're in SAG. Whoa. And he was so impressed. <laughs> and so can you tell like why that's so important and so helpful to uh, an actor? First of all, to anybody that's watching this that wants to go into acting, it's not so imperative to get into the union right away. Hone your craft, become good at what you do. Because if you go in there and you're really not a seasoned actor and, and don't have the knowledge and, and, and the, the schooling behind you, you're never going to work. And you're just wasting your money to join. When you do join... The benefits are obviously number one is pay. The pay scale is much higher than if you're non-union. It's probably 500% higher than what you normally get paid. Um, and you can, and people who are watching, you can go online and look up what the rates are with the scale and stuff like that for, for working. Um, you know, if you're, if you're union and, um, that's good. You know, obviously the, you have the benefits, you know, you get benefits, you have a union behind you that protects you. No one can take advantage of you. No one, like I said, about the pay. No one can like underpay you. Um, and then obviously, you know, you have to get a manager. Well, you don't need a manager right away. You get an agent, then a manager. And, you know, they they take care of everything through that. And as far as, again, uh, payroll goes through sometimes, go through SAG. Like they'll pay SAG, SAG pays me. Or, you know, that it, that's just how it works. And it's just, it's a blessing. It, it's a great union. It really takes care of the actors because, you know, there's a lot of things out there where you have actors you know, are asked to do some creepy things for, for no money. And, um, it's not, it's, it's not a good thing to have, have done to you. So, uh, you know, in answer to your question, it's just, it's just, it's, it solidifies you. Number one, it solidifies you as an actor. It puts you at a different level. If they know that you're a SAG and you paid into SAG and you paid your dues, your union dues and stuff like that, okay, he's investing in himself or herself. And okay. So he's serious about what he's doing. Let's take a look at this guy. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, thank you so much for really like breaking it down. So you got in. So if you get into a film that's SAG, automatically you're you're eligible to become you part of the become union. SAG eligible if you speak in yeah. a SAG sponsored film. Oh, so you so you have to speak. So if you're a background in the background, scene, no background, you can do. Um, so, I mean, some films do both. They have background extras that are of uh, uh, union and non-union. And again, the non-union, they probably, I don't even know what they get paid. Um, back in the day, it was like like $85 for eight hours. And then if you were a, a uh, SAG, I think it was like 150 for eight hours, plus you got overtime. So that, just I'm just trying to show you there's a big difference. Um, but if you don't speak, no, then you're considered a background extra. You could be a featured extra if they can see your face. You're not just like walking by. If they stop and look at your face and you have a reaction, that's a featured extra. Um, but, um, that's how I started. Now I just did a lot of stuff on, on, uh, on set. Like I said, I did law and order a few times. Uh, I did another show called Kings. I did, um, Oh, uh, another show called Cupid. And I learned what I did was I sat there and I just learned and watched these professional actors. You know, I got to sit down with them at lunchtime. Like, you know, there was a show called Kings and an actor called Ian McShane, really, really, really accomplished actor. Very good actor. Um, he was in the John Wick movies. Have you ever watched John Wick? He's the guy. He's the boss. Okay, so I go to a gym in the city, and he's a sambo coach. So he's the stunt coordinator for John Wick. Oh, okay. Well, this this, this guy was the the guy who who ran the hotel. Yeah, the yeah, big yeah. Boss, okay. okay, yeah. That's Ian McShane. 
So we were doing this, this show called um, Kings. I was on a couple episodes doing background work. So there's one particular episode I was sitting, it was taking place in the courtroom and I was one of the um, uh, photographers, you know, for the, uh, for the newspaper. And he's doing his big scene and I watch him and I'm sitting there and I'm watching him as he does each take. You know, they have like camera takes, you have sound takes, you, you know, all different lighting takes because you want to make sure everything's good before the actual you know, a rehearsal, not take, excuse me, a rehearsal, camera rehearsal, lighting rehearsal, sound rehearsal, everything else. And I watched him every time he did the scene. Now, you know, watching him do it like five, six times, I knew the scene. And every time he did it, he did it different. He did something different every single time. And I thought it was, was pretty cool. A little confused, but I thought it was cool. So we go to lunch, we go to lunch break. Now I'm non-union. I'm not in the union yet. So I'm non-union. I'm sitting there. And, you know, when you're non-union, you're sitting in this big place when you go to eat lunch, you know, they rope you off like cattle. They have like one section for non-union background, another section for union background, and then a section for the principal actors, which are all union. So I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, getting my play. One thing good about when you're on set, man, you eat great. You eat really good. Now, now with COVID, it's not as good, but you know, back then, you know, they, they, I mean, lamb chops, I mean, food that you got food you could eat like forever if you wanted to. So, um, I definitely got my money's worth as far as that goes. So uh, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there with a full plate. I'm looking to go somewhere and the section where I could go, it was all full. There was no place to sit. So I'm looking around and Ian McShane is like, straight ahead of me and he sees me looking and he points to me he's like come here so i'm like oh i'm, I'm in trouble so i walk over to him very slowly i said mr mcshane i said he says ian i says ian i says um i'm not in union i can't be he goes sit down with me i said i'm not allowed to sit here he says what are they gonna do fire me he says sit down with me i was like okay and i sat there for about 45 minutes and i didn't say a word he asked me a couple of questions and he just talked. And I, I, the only thing I asked him was why he did what he did with the, uh, every time he did a take, he did it differently. He goes, Warren, he goes, it's a great question. He goes, I love the fact you asked that question. And he says, the bottom line is don't ever waste a take. Because every time you do a take, which is a scene, you know, you do the scene. And um, every time you do it, do it different. Because you'll find something every time you do it that you didn't find before. And then you take as much as you can from each take and whatever you like, whatever works for you, you put into your final take when you start shooting. I meant rehearsals. I'm talking about rehearsals before. I know I keep saying takes. I don't want to confuse your listeners. Um, so I, um, I took that and I always remembered that. And it was just a great 45 minutes just sitting there and just, he just gave me so much knowledge. And he didn't even realize he was giving me knowledge, but just sitting there and listening to him, the way he talks, the way his, his process of why he does certain things and, you know, if he said, you know, if you get a chance to act, act, play. He says, play. You'll, you'll, you'll be surprised what you can find. So it's something that always stuck with me. With him. Wow, that that's so cool. What would you say was your sort of big break, right? Because actors always get a big break. Or did you have one or was it just progressively you just got? Um, that's a good question. Uh, no one's ever asked me that question. Big break. I guess, you know, big break for me was when joining the union was a big break for me and as far as career break i know what you're asking me as far as your career break getting on tv or film or whatever you're doing i would say my first well it comes down to my first big paycheck which was orange is the new black and um i did a couple things before that you know as you know a, a single day player and stuff like that but orange is a new black i wound up getting i wound up staying there for quite a bit for over a week and um I got to meet my director at that time for that particular episode was Jodie Foster. And she was absolutely phenomenal. And she was so great to me. And she made me, you know, I was a nobody. And she could have just looked at me and not even talked to me. She talked to me. She gave me notes. She coached me up. And she, you know, she really helped me out with a lot of different things. And um, I'll never forget when I finally was finished with my, all my, I think I was there for like six, seven days, maybe eight days. And, um, I was wrapped from for for all my stuff. So I mean, wrapped means you're done. And they send you home. You, you you know you have to come back. And uh, so you know they and what they usually do is okay. Warren's wrapped. And everybody claps and come over. And and Jodie Foster comes over, and she comes over. She says, "Warren is really really nice meeting you. I've really enjoyed working with you. I think you have a very good future in this business." Now you know, listen. I, I was a young guy. I didn't know a lot. I probably wasn't that good at what I did. You know, I watched the scene now, which I don't hate why I didn't watch, you know, watching myself. It was no big deal. But the fact that she took the time, whether she meant it or not, she took the time 
to say that to me, and that made me feel better. You know, so it's important that, you know, when you're talking to people in this business, and if you can help somebody, little words, like, and she knew, you know, she wasn't being like narcissistic or egotistical, but she knew her words were powerful to me. You know, she knew, and she knew who she was and what she meant to people, especially a novice kid like me. And, you know, it, it just, it, it was really nice. And we we would, we, we, before I wrapped, we were doing the scene and she gave me a note to do. I said, oh, you mean like this? She said, no, 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 don't do it now. She goes, I trust you. Do it when I say action. And I did it. And then we were talking and I, and I had to ask her a question about something. I said, Jody, I said, you have a second? She comes rushing over to me. Yeah, Warren, what do you need? I'm like, Jody Foster, an Academy Award winning actress is asking me what I need. You know, which I thought was really, really cool. You know, and I try, you, you try not to be uh, starstruck because then it looks like you don't belong. I mean, yes, everybody gets starstruck to some degree. You know, to the, even today, you know, if I meet somebody like an A-lister, like if I work with them, yeah, I'll talk to them. But inside, I'm dying, but I don't let them know that. You know, just like when people come up to me, like, you know, people will recognize me and I understand it. And I understand. So I, I'm very careful with my words. It's cool because, you know, I, I've seen, right, I've interviewed some amazing people and, you know, I'm the same way inside, like, wow, this person agreed. But at the end of the day, you're human and, you know, just like they're there to help and, you know, they're there to just uplift those around them. Absolutely. What was hard for you about acting? Like, well, just just the industry and stuff. Well, as a New Yorker, and I'm sure you can tell right now, the way I talk is um, I had a tendency to talk really, really fast, really fast. And those were my days working down on Wall Street. I picked up having to talk into two phones at the same time. You're talking blah, 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 you know, sell high, sell this IBM 52, 15, you know, and you're going cra crazy fast. And that stuck with me. So in the beginning, I had a lot of mush mouth, what they call mush mouth. And today I still have it to some degree, not as bad as I had it back then. And, you know, um, that was tough in the beginning was slowing myself down and being able to, because a lot of actors, you know, myself included, I think everybody when they first start is the thing that most important thing you have to learn as an actor, that's going to slow you down. And I always tell this even to, to students, I coach you know, students and stuff like that. And I'll say the most important thing you could do is look up this thing on Google. It's called breathing. It's a great thing to do when you're acting. Because a lot of times you'll sit there and say, my mother never gave me my father for killing himself. So I didn't know what to do. So I didn't, you know, I, I felt really bad about the whole situation. You want to get through the words right away. Cause you figure the faster you get the lines out, the better off you'll be. But then no, you have to, you have to calm yourself down. You have to breathe. And then you'll say like, my mother never forgave me for my father killing himself, forgave my father for killing himself. It was such a terrible time for me and my mom. So big difference when you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're talking a mile a minute and now no one can understand you. And then I realized that the faster I talk, people are trying to catch up with me and they can't hear what I'm saying. So that was one of the toughest things. Um, also, you know, working full time, that was a challenge. You know, a lot of stuff in the beginning I had to turn down when I had auditions because I couldn't go because of work. You know, I was blessed enough that I had enough time in a company where I was able to take vacation days, you know, for this and that and the other thing. And, and you know, I, I was just fortunate enough to, to, uh, to be able to do that. You know, I was working outside for a while. And then when I got, I was down at 9-11, I got sick from that. I, you know that story. And uh, then I got put inside. So um, uh, I had a little more time, I guess, to be able to read, you know, when I was inside. Um, but you know, it, it's everything. Listen, I mean, there's a plan for everybody and everything happens for a reason. You know, I guess it was my calling and you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. And I still love what I do. It's frustrating at times. Like everybody else has been going through these frustrating times for the last two years. You know, uh, there's no normal right now. Um, but you know, it's, it's frustrating, but you know, it, it will come back. Yeah. What are some common mistakes you know, beginning actors make because I come across a lot of people and, you know, it's the common thing that they work as waiters and they're actors and everybody, you know, believes they're going to get their big breaks. Like what sort of, what would you say separates like the people who you look at and you're like, they're going to get somewhere in three to five Absolutely. years. No, I totally understand. And I, I actually tell, uh, you know, the people I, I coach, um, the same thing is that a lot of actors think that it's going to find them. They're going to be discovered. You know, even hoping, oh, I, uh, I, I, I got pretty eyes. I got a buff body or, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a girl and I got, you know, I got, you know, great legs or I got long, beautiful hair, you know, whatever. And as talented as you could be or think you may be, 
It's not going to find you. You have to find it. You know, I tell them, don't wait for someone to discover you. Put yourself out there. Put yourself out as much as you possibly can. You know, now with social media, I tell everybody, social media, you know, get on Instagram, get on Facebook, get on Twitter, get on LinkedIn. Put yourself out there because you never know these casting directors are watching and they may see something, you know. So that's one of the mistakes that people make is they think that, you know, it's it's going to find them. And you have to work at your craft like everything else, you know, you like whatever you do for a living, you know, you, you went to school for it or you had to get training for it. Same thing as an actor. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I want to be an actor. No, you have to go train. You have to go to a studio or you go to college and, t and get a master's in, 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 in you know, in, in acting or whatever. So in drama. And um, so, I, I mean, you have to train. It's like everything else because everything changes in the business. Um, I mean, there's no new ideas new techniques. It's it's a pirate business. You just watch and you read and you learn and you take from every everybody else. But you know, it's like I tell people, not that I'm comparing what I do to what a brain surgeon does. That's obviously a much more serious, you know, uh life and death uh, you know, <laughs> you know, a job. But um, you know, like doctors, they have to go back and they have to go to school because, you know, things do change. And there's different like the way you do open heart surgery now is quite different from what they did it 10 years ago. You know, so you have to learn and keep yourself. So always train. That's my that's my point. I'm trying to get always train. A lot of people think they take one or two classes, they book a job, and they're an actor. The minute you think you know it all in acting, you're done. You'll never work again. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's true because there's so many different types of actors. There's so many different types of scenes. Some people are good at portraying some characters. Some people are not. So there, there's always something new to learn now. Does something like improv classes, is that a good way to at least get yes, your feet wet? Actually, I was going to lead up to that. Yeah, improv is very good because you have to be able to to think on your feet a lot. So especially improv, if you want to be a stage actor, meaning you no know, theater, Broadway, off-Broadway, it's very, very good to um, have improv skills because a lot of things happen live that you're not expecting, whether it be something in the audience, whether it be something up on stage, maybe the person comes in the wrong door or says the wrong line from four pages later, you know, and so you have to listen. So improv will will make you listen and, and be quick on your feet, you know, really quick. But you have to be in, in, in the moment, so to speak, as they say. So you mentioned like listening and reading, like how, like, how is that? Like you get a script, you have to memorize, like how, how does that work? There's a couple different ways you can do it. I, I use a, a method, it's called rote. R-O-T-E. It's uh, by Sanford Meisner, who's Meisner is all about um, repetition and listening. So um, like a Meisner, if you were training for Meisner, I would sit there and you'd have to look at your partner. Like right now I'm looking at you and I would say, you would repeat whatever I say to you. I say, you have a gray shirt. Then you would say, I have a gray shirt. You have a gray shirt. I have a gray shirt. Uh, you're nodding your head. I'm nodding my head. You have a beard. I have a beard. You're wearing earphones. I'm wearing earphones. So that's, and that, and I'm saying like, what is this? This is like so crazy. Like what, but then you realize as you go along, it's, it forces you muscle memory and your body and your mind pays attention more to what's going on in front of them. And so that is very, very important for improv is to listen, is to watch and not just sit there and worry about your line. And the lines come like, for, okay, let me give you an example. Cause I have, actually, I was working on something the other night. Um, from a film, like for example, this is this is just a, a a scene I had to do. And what you do is, you'll sit there and you read the first line. Like my mother never forgave my father for killing himself. I go back and I, I read it once. My mother never forgave my father for killing himself, especially at such an awkward time. Especially at such an awkward time. My mother never forgave my father for killing himself, especially at such an awkward time. And so on and so forth. And you keep reading each line and go back and read the whole thing again. You follow what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, that, that's one way of doing it. Um, a lot of people also take their um, take all of their their lines once you read through your script or your sides, whatever you have, and they they do it as a monologue. So they omit the other person's lines and just to remember their own lines, they read it as and they rehearse it as a monologue and memorize that monologue. And then what they do is they put the other person's lines in there. It's a whole process, but. You know, everybody to each their own, whatever works for you. Um, the worst thing you could do, and getting back to your original question of the, the major mistakes that actors do in the beginning, is they'll get their sides and they'll sit there and all they use to highlight their, their, their lines and that's all they read. 
but there's so much stuff inside of a script inside of slides that tell you a story you know what's going on even the stage directions if you're doing theater or if you're doing film whatever it may be and the directions are in there saying what you know where it's taking place what just happened the moment before like a lot of times before i even read my sides sometimes they'll give you sides i'm trying to get if i can find sides that have something that moment before like for example they'll tell you um I really shouldn't show you this, but let me yeah, see. Don't show me don't show me but you, you, you read all the moments before. They'll tell you like where, where he's coming from, what he did, you know, and, you know, exterior, Grand Street building. Uh, Al charges at the couple as they almost reach the Mott Street corner. You know, so now that's not in there. I don't need to know that, but it doesn't tell me I have to know that, but that's part of my scene. So I should know that. So a lot of people, what they do is they just highlight their lines, they memorize their lines, and that's it. And so you're not... It's not all about the lines. Yes, the lines are important, obviously, because you have to talk, you know, but if you know the situation that you're in in the scene, you know, you know what your objective is. That's the big thing in acting. They always tell you, know what your objective is. Is my objective to get you to take off those headphones? Is my objective to get you to ask me another question? Whatever my objective is, I have to find a way to get there and complete that objective within the text, if that makes sense. No, I mean, it's, it's very important because how knowing what goes on is going to impact how you say it, right? Is this a, a happy scene, a sad scene where you, did you just get screwed over? Are you, you know, is it, you're not, you find out information that you know, but you're not supposed to know, right? These, all these different emotions. And, you know, I've seen it. So I know some people have different styles of acting, right? And I know you mentioned that you have to kind of get into the person's character. Is that sort of what you do? There's, well, there's some people like, like, I don't really say I am one there's not one method I use. Um, there's method acting, which is you really dive in and really eat, drink, sleep character, which is like, for example, for people who don't know what that means, if you ever watch Heath Ledger do the Joker, which was phenomenal, um, he basically ate, drank, sleep the Joker, and he became that person. He actually wasn't Heath Ledger, and he became that person, totally. And I've done that few, and it's very dangerous to do that because especially when you're, when you're dealing with a, a character that's so dark, it's very hard to get out. Because I, I, I did a, a character that was pretty dark, not as dark as what you did on a feature film I did down in Pennsylvania. Oh, about. I remember the, where you shot the guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That one. Yeah, that was actually my good friend, Michael Galante. I was talking about yeah, this yeah. One, my friend. And, um, you know, it was a very, very deep, you know, character. I had a really. I, mean, I have a New York accent, but I had to really thicken it up. I had to make him like a mob boss. And he talked like this all the time. And he cursed a lot. And he was just a nasty guy. I talked like that to some degree, but I had to really thicken it up. And by doing it for so long, for six weeks, I shot that movie. And I started becoming that guy. I started talking <laughs> like him. I would come home. My family like, what is wrong with you? Why are you talking <laughs> like that? So, and um, you know, so sometimes you can get caught up in it. You have, you know. Then you do something organic, which is from inside. And you now there's so many different ways you can do things that have a, there's all different kind of Stanislavski technique. There's all different ways that people uh, study. I try to study different as Meisner technique, there's method technique, there's Stanislavski. There's so many different ways. And I, what I would like to do is I like to pick from each of them if needed. Like if, if I know I'm doing a dark character, okay, okay, this is going to be a method thing. I got to really become this character. I want to, I want to know this guy's favorite color. You know, I want to know what he eats for breakfast. I want to know what time he gets up. I want to know what time he goes to bed. And these are all decisions that I have to make as the actor and build my backstory. Like even for like something as small as that, what page I just showed you, you know, I would write a, I would write four pages about what's going on in the scene, become that character. That, you know, which that's why, you know, everybody think acting is just getting on the set and knowing your lines. That's that's the easiest thing. That's the easiest thing about it is just getting on set. It's getting there. The reason I asked that, because I know Heath Ledger is the famous example. And the guy, I think John Bernthal, the Punisher guy who plays. The oh, Punisher, yeah. Yes. Yes. Like he does the method acting and he says, look, he's like a grumpy guy when he's a Punisher. And, you know, it's funny. And it's funny because I seen him in a different interview and it's like his voice is so different, so friendly. And then, you know, in the Punisher, he's like screaming and just like a deep voice. And it's just crazy how like you literally just it changes the perception. Like, yeah, I Daniel, he, like Daniel Day-Lewis, Gary Oldman. Those are two really good. You know, look at Daniel Day-Lewis played Lincoln. He looked exactly like him because he got down. He, he spent months months. He lived with Steven Spielberg and they went over the script and went over the character and, and he lived with him. 
you know, while he was doing that. Gary Oldman, you know, he, you know, he's, Gary Oldman's done so many great things. I mean, you know, he was, um, 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 oh, the, um, um, the guy from England, I can't think of his name. Winston <laughs> Churchill. He did Winston yeah. Churchill, you know, and then he turns around and he becomes a psycho in another movie. So it's like, and he, he looks, never one of their characters are the same. They're always different yeah. kind of characters. So, and, you know, I, I envy those guys that they have the, the ability, the talent, the God-given talent to do that. It's amazing just watching people play different characters because it's like, wow, I can't believe that. I think, you know, Robert Downey Jr., I think in Tropic Thunder, like, I didn't even, you know, that when he played the that character. It's just interesting. And then he plays the Iron Man and just different. Totally different characters. And then you kind of see the evolution of the character and all that, especially playing a character for X number of years. is It's amazing. So the kind of things you do, how do you get work, right? Like you audition. How How is that? Like what is an audition? How long does it take? Right now, I just did uh, the last, what's today? Today's Thursday. I did three auditions this week. Um, one was for a film. One's for a TV show. And then one, one, two, two films and one TV show. So the way I do that is most of the time I get it through my manager or my agent. They'll email me and say, you know, they'll submit me. Like they, they, that's their job all day is just to watch the breakdowns of anything that's being shot in New York or anywhere, you know, anywhere across the country, the world, whatever. And they'll find stuff and they'll say, okay, oh, this may fit Warren. Let's submit Warren. So they'll take, they'll submit me through my headshot. They'll send my reel. And they'll say, you know, here's his work. And then if they like me, they'll send them back the sides and they'll say, could you have Warren audition on, well, right now on tape, because of what's going on, he, could you have Warren put it on tape and send it into us? Then I put it on tape. I send it to my manager or my, or my uh, agent. They review it. They'll say, Warren, we like this one, but do it again and do this. Sometimes I'll send it back. And say, no, we don't like that. Do it again. I'm like, okay, so I'll do it again. I send it in. It doesn't happen that often, but it does. Excuse me. Oh my God. It does happen. And uh, then you send it off. And then if they like you, then they'll have you come in for what's called an ecocast, which is doing what we're doing right now. We'll go live like on Zoom. What's called an ecocast. And then you'll sit there and in the, in the room will be probably the casting director, the director, um, probably a producer. And they'll ask you different questions and they'll make you do it again. And then they'll give you notes. And sometimes they just give you a note that has nothing to do with the scene, but they'll want to see how much you can take direction. So I, I I can tell right away now in the beginning, I didn't I used to get frustrated, but now I don't. They're just doing stuff that they kind of like mess with you because to be honest with you, and this is no knock on anybody, you know, who's a casting director is a lot of times they don't really know what they're looking for until they find it. They have an idea of what they're looking for, but they don't know until they see it. So my thing is I try to give them something that I think will be different, staying within the parameters of the scene, but something a little bit different. You know, you got, you want to use the text. You don't want to, you know, you want, you want to have respect for the text. You want to be able to um, give them something that makes them remember you. Nice. That's that's good to know. So you didn't go to like acting school or anything like that. So how is it when you try to compete with someone who does come from that background? And how do you compete with someone who comes from that? Well, background? I, I, I have taken a lot of classes since um, in the beginning. I didn't take any classes. And then I went down to Terry Schreiber and I was blown away um, by just watching. I mean, my class was all beginners. Uh, and I probably had the most experience, believe it or not, when I went to the class because I just finished doing an off-Broadway play. It was my first play. And uh, so I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm king shit now, you know, choose my language. And um, But I went there and I learned so much. I was blown away by everything that goes on with acting. And like like I told you, the Meisner technique, I, I wanted to quit when he starts saying, that's what acting is all about. I said, this is acting, telling a guy he has a beard and he knows he has a beard and he's telling me he has a beard. I said, this is so, this is crazy. I don't want to do this. So then one day I got it when we were doing a scene and it actually clicked in for me and I got it and I understood it. But um, I, I trained there. I trained at HP Studios. I had some private coaches. I wanted uh, very good coaches that was very, very sought after for a number of years. Uh, he passed a couple of years back. Uh, Nico Hartos was, was a very good uh, coach. I learned a lot from him. Uh, I work with um, uh, also Vinny Pastor, who's a good friend of mine. He helps me out every once in a while. So I mean, I it, it's de you know training is 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 key. Train as much as you can. You know, even when you know during COVID when nothing was happening, no one was working. You know, I, I'm part of a uh, a theater group called Renegade Theater Group, which is run by Maureen Van Zant and Vinny Pastor, and we did a couple of different plays just to keep us occupied, keep us keep the muscle working. You know, because 
it's like everything else. If you get stagnant, you, you know, in anything, it's going to be harder to get back into it. Yeah. Now, have you ever felt insecure about not having a degree? No, actually, no. I, I have, no one's ever asked me that, but no, actually, I can say no. I'm really, I'm, it doesn't, I never get intimidated by that because you know as well as I do, you know, yeah, degrees is very important in, in, in the workforce and doing what you want to do. They're very important. But I've met people who, you know, you know disrespect anybody who has a degree who are smarter than people who have degrees. You know, not to say I'm not, I'm not throwing away saying a degree is not important. No, a degree is very important. You should go to school. You should go to college. You should, whatever it is that you're doing, whether it be acting or something else, get yourself a degree. It will help you. But me personally, I've never been intimidated by it. And you know what is true tonight is that I never really said, oh, hey, how you doing? You're an actor. Did you go to school for acting? We just don't ask that. You know, so like I probably didn't know half the time if some of these people have degrees or not. You know, my degree is 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 life, you know, getting this life experiences and, and just watching people and listening to people and learning from people. You can't you, you can't put a price tag on that. Yeah. And it's something that you should do regardless of whether or not you have a degree, right? Yes. It's not like you know everything. You're the best actor after school. It's like, hey, you got to get that experience. You got to get- That's why I go to studios. I go to studios as much as I can and take classes. Yeah. What would you say in your career you're most proud of? That I didn't quit because it's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's a very, very, very hard business. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to dissuade people from doing it. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle, you know, and- it's so easy to quit because look at this. And I think I told you this one other time. We had a discussion about this. In baseball, if you're right three times out of 10, you're a Hall of Famer. In acting, if you're right, say, a half to one-tenth of the time, you'll be somewhat successful. You follow what I'm saying? So that's, that's how, you know, it's very, very difficult. You know, you audition, you audition 10 times. You're lucky if you book one of those, one or two of those jobs. You're lucky if you book one of them. You really are. Sometimes I go 20. Sometimes I like when COVID first hit, and the, I'm sorry, not back in October of last year, when the industry started coming back and they started doing all these self tapes and stuff like that. I was blessed enough, and I have a great team. My manager, Genevieve Brewer, my agent, Roger Paul, they sent me on somewhere around 20 to 25 auditions in the month of October. It's just crazy the amount of auditions I've ever had. And some I booked, some I didn't. But, you know, I probably booked maybe, out of those 25 auditions, I probably booked two of them. You know, just to show you how, you know, it's it's it, it's so hard. You know, especially now, you know, when you're at the level I'm at, not that I'm at a major level, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a working actor. You know, people know who I am. All the casting directors in New York know who I am. They ask me by name, I you know, and um, just keep working. You know, like, you know, I lost my train of thought. That's why I started. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it happens. It happens. No, I mean, look, it's a tough business and it's, it's good to, so you one out of 10 would be something like, Hey, you're, you're successful. Yes. You're, you're doing decent. Absolutely. So have you seen like other people who it's like one out of 20, one out of 50, one, have you, have oh, you yeah, heard I mean, of that? That's happened to me sometimes too, you know, and, and that's when you have, that's when you have self doubt creeps into the back of your mind and saying, wow, can I still do this? Am I good enough? Did I miss my window? You know, am I getting too old for this now? You know, and then I, you know, and you have to have a good support group. Like I have a support group. Like I'll call my friend, Michael, Michael Galante who's out in LA and I'll talk to him sometimes, you know, if I have, if I have a bad audition or if nothing's going on for me, I'll call him and I'll like sit there and just start griping. And he's like, okay, you're done. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. He goes, good. He goes, you know, you're a good actor. You've worked on major television shows. You've worked on, you know, off Broadway and Broadway and people have come to see, pay hundreds of dollars to see you shut up. And just go on to your next audition, you know, and sometimes it's good to have someone like that, you know, who, who, you know, basically grounds you. Wow. No, I mean, I'm glad you have something like someone like that. Now, yeah, what are your, what are your future goals? Like now, you know, you, you, you've accomplished a decent amount in acting. What are your future goals? What's that like that next role you want to sort of hit? My future goal, I guess if I had a future, future goal is I'd love to book a series regular on a TV show and get a, um, a major role on a, on a, on a major film, you know, I mean, I've worked films, you know, but you know, little things here and there, you know, little, you know, one, two scenes, two, three scenes, whatever, but I like to like be part of the actual full embodied storyline. 
Okay. No, I mean, um, you know, I'm going to be first in line to watch that when that happens. <laughs> and, and I'm blessed. As long as I keep working, I'm happy. No matter what it is I'm doing, I'm doing. Yeah. Now, share some funny stories. I remember you had some funny stories and uh, you said you were in Law & Order when you first did it. You like knocked off the vaccine. Can you, can you share that story? Yeah, it was the first uh, job I ever got as a background. And I went down to Chelsea Piers. Now, you know, I'm thinking I made it, you know, I'm doing background work, which is, you know, you're a background. I don't call them background actors. I just call them extras, you know, because, but I'm thinking at the time, like, okay, I made it. They called me in. They want me to be a courtroom officer. So I go into, to, to the, to down in Chelsea Piers and where they shoot law and order. And I go in there and I go up to the guy. You have to check in with the guy. I says, hi, so I'm Warren Bub. He said, what's your number? So you have a number. They give you a number. I said, uh, 1101. Okay, first room down the hall on your left. I said, where do I go? Do I have to go to, do I have to, go to you know, wardrobe or hair or makeup or anything? He's like, no, let's go to the room down the hall. So I'm like, maybe that's where I have to go to, you know. So I go down there, I walk in, and it's a room that's probably 20 by 30, and there's probably about 150 people sitting in it, all like this, like cattle, crunched up against the walls and seats on the floor, whatever, and they're all background, all extras. So I'm like, uh, I think I'm in, I think I'm in a, I turned the guy. I said, you know, where do all the background actors go? He says, all the extras go in there. That's when I realized I'm not a background actor. I'm just an extra. You know, there's no such thing as a background actor. You're an extra. So I go in there and I sat there and then they finally called me into wardrobe and they hooked me up to, to dress me up like a, a court officer. Now, I don't know anybody. So I befriended a guy there. This guy's name is Sam. He lives out in LA now. And, um, we became friends, and so he was my, my, my talking buddy for the day. So we finally get to go on the set. They call us in, and they don't even call you by name. Okay, your number's 1101, 1102, 1104, 1105. Okay, come with us. So I get up, and I go, because I'm not Warren. I'm 1101. <laughs> so I go on to the set, you know, in the soundstage, and you go into this mock courtroom, you know, and so I go in there and, okay, and then this Jamaican guy, his name was uh, Jadi. Nice guy, really, really nice guy. And he comes over and he goes, all right, man, he goes, I'm, I'm your, I'm your uh, AD for all the extras. He says, so I'll be directing you on what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to move and how you're supposed to enter. I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there, I know nothing. So he's all right, you're both going to stand at the back of the room, like guards do on each side of the doorway. And I'm standing there. He says, and make sure you have continuity. So I'm like, I never heard that word before. I said, continuity. And he looks at me, he goes, you know what that is? I said, I think so. He says, well, if you think so, then you don't know it. He says, continuity is however you, when the scene's being shot, however you're standing, wherever your arms are, or make sure they're in the same way. Because if it one like this, and then the next part of it, the arms are down, it's going to look stupid. He said, so make sure you keep continuity, whatever you're doing. I'm like, okay. So I'm standing there and I'm watching them do the scene and, you know, the, I'm standing in the back and, uh, you know, you're standing there for like a, a pretty long time. So I'm standing there and I'm waiting. It's okay. We're going to, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to re reset the camera and reverse the angle, which means I can take the camera from one side and reverse the angle to the other side. So I'm standing there and you know, I'm tired. You know, my feet hurt. I'm standing there and I lean back like this against the wall and the wall basically is made of like, Almost like what's, what's, I guess, like cardboard and plywood. And I went like this, and the whole freaking wall just started to collapse. And everybody started laughing at me because the whole wall started to go down. You know, they caught it, and I, and I fell down. And, I, and like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I get up, and like, oh, my God, they're going to fire me. They're going to fire me the first day. Here I am on NBC's in the fire. You know, I'm thinking they're going to fire me. Meanwhile, they could care less. They were all laughing at me. So um, I get myself together, and then we go to lunch. So as I'm walking out, the guy, Linus Roach, now, I would never do this today, I, and, and this is just a funny story, but it's really bad. But um, there was a movie at that time called um, Find Me Guilty, which Vin Diesel did. He was a, he was a mobster. And Linus Roach also, who, was, who actually plays ADA Michael Cutter in Law and Order, he actually was in that movie also as a, as a, uh, a district attorney, as a lawyer. So I go over to now, and I knew a couple of my friends were in that movie as extras. You know, because they're all a bunch of guys from the Bronx. You're all a bunch of goombas and a bunch of Italian guys, and they're you know playing mobsters. So they basically just sat in the in the in the uh, courtroom, not low lines. They were just extras. So I go over to Linus Roach and walk in. I say, "Hey, Linus, how you doing?" I say, "You don't remember me?" He looks at me. He's like, "Now he's he's from Australia." 
He has no shakers. No, mate, I don't. Meanwhile, on camera, he talks like me and you. He's American. No, mate, I don't. I said, yeah, I said, I'm finding me guilty. I said, I was with uh, Tim Cinemonte, and I was sitting there, and and we were, we were doing the scene, and I was sitting. I wasn't in that film. So he literally goes, oh, he goes, okay. He's like, so we go back on to say after lunch. He goes, oh, see this guy? He was with that film I did, find me guilty. You know, make, you know, and he starts making everybody like know who I am. So the other, so one of the other people who actually look at his, he's like, you were really in that movie? I'm like, no. And he starts laughing. So now they start moving me around a little bit. Now I'm finally figuring out because I can see the playback, the video of what's going on. And I'm watching the camera. And now I see where I'm at. Like, you know, you'll see this part of me, you know? And now I'm realizing, okay, let's, let's do it again. Okay. Do it again. I move a little bit this way. Now this much is in me. Okay. Let's shoot it again. Different. Now I'm over here. Now this is in me. You know, so little by little, I, I learned that I could position myself, but never look at the camera, but I position myself. And then long story short, you see my entire body in in the in the scene, which is really funny. So no, I would please anybody who's watching this, do not do what I just told you. Do yeah. not do that now because they will fire you on the spot. I've seen people get fired on the spot. Interesting, interesting. No, I mean, good, good advice, good advice. I'm glad it worked out for you. What's another funny story that you'd love to share that the audience could kind of like take away? A funny story. Oh God, um, when I was doing a play called Marry, F, or Kill, based on the, the game show, show the um, game. And uh, it's a comedy. It's about uh, four couples, um, relationships, and stuff like that. And uh, my character was very volatile. I would say he's like an Archie Bunker meets, you know, uh, Brooklyn. And um, it's a very, very nasty, very volatile. Yeah, and a relationship was built on just constantly arguing. That was their relationship. They just constantly arguing. They loved each other, but they just argued a lot. So a couple of times, it was <laughs> there was one night when um, I'm sitting there, and the scene opened. One of the scenes opens up, and we've been arguing the entire show, which we always do, and we deciding if we want to have a baby or not. So this scene opens up where we have the baby. The baby's born. She's holding the baby in her arms. And she says something to me and she was like, she was a wonderful, wonderful actress. One of the best actors I've ever worked with opposite of. And uh, she used to always like break my chops. Her voice, she made it like, what's wrong with you? And like, you know, she's very annoying, but that was her character. And so she says something to me to light, you know, the, the lights go up and she has the first line. So she says something to me and I look at her. And this is one of the moments when I didn't hear her. I wasn't paying attention to her. I just kind of like blanked out. So it's your, it's your biggest like fear as an actor. So I look at her and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm saying to myself, now this is all in like two seconds, not even a second. And she looks at me and says, didn't you hear what I said? And she said the line again. So I look at her and I'm totally lost. And she can see in my face, I'm like, oh God, I don't know where I am. And you can see in her face, she's like, oh God, he doesn't know where he is. So I'm trying to figure it out where I'm at. And I look down. I said, okay, I'm wearing a blue shirt and a red tie. Okay, this is scene four where we're discussing what we're going to name the baby or whatever it was. So I look back up at her and I was supposed to answer her like in a really aggravated state. But right now I'm so scared. Now what I'm, what I'm telling you is all happening literally in three seconds. It feels like a half hour when you're up there because you have the audience watching. So I'm looking at her. I'm like, oh man. Don't you hear what I said to you? And she smacks me, which pisses me off. She was great. She smacks me and pissed me off. And it made me go right back at her. And we continued the scene. But the funny part about it was like, everybody thought it was part of the show. That's what I'm saying. You always have to listen and watch what's going on and listen to what's happening. Because you never know what's going to happen. Another time in the show, my wife, the girl, same girl, she actually stormed off the set. She was supposed to st storm off the stage into the into the kitchen and she missed her mark she turned around she walked into the wall and the whole wall shook it almost fell down and people started laughing so you can't ignore that you have to i'm like look at you you're arguing with me and you can't even find the goddamn door now that was not a line but i just did that to make it work you know so stuff like that you know that was funny um i'm trying to guess there was so many other things i think i told you this. no yeah please no i mean it's interesting because it's like 
it's your biggest fear, but it's a nor- it's, it happens regardless. It doesn't matter how oh, good you it's are. It's happened, it happened to me numerous times. Numerous times. I was sitting there doing a monologue somewhere and uh, in, a, in a, an off-Broadway show, and I'm sitting there doing a monologue, and let's say it was like, I'm just about done with it. There's like two more lines left. I'm, I'm going like this, and I look up, and I caught a migraine right in the middle of this monologue. And in the monologue, well, how I got the migraine, what I think, was I'm looking up, and the stage light was right in my face. That's just how it was. That's just how it had to be because I was I was fully lit, and I had to look up like I was talking to somebody up here, and that's where the light was, which was my mistake by looking up that high. And I caught a migraine, and I'm sitting there, and, he's, and my eyes starts going like this, and all of a sudden I see the you know the spots. I'm like, oh man, I'm having a migraine in the middle of a play, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking. I'm supposed to close out the scene by saying something. I look, yeah, and that's all I got. And thank God the lighting guy understood what I was saying. I see it. And that's all I got. Meanwhile, I had like another two or three lines left. And he knows that because they know the lines. They know what the lines are. So I kept saying, yeah, and that's all I got. That's it. And he went black. He knew I was in trouble. So he went black. So now the public didn't know that, you know, but I knew it. And, you know, and then the migraine stayed with me the entire show. So I was doing half this play with a migraine walking around the stage with spots in my eyes and going like crazy. And I tried, you know, I tried looking down and looking down the floor because the floor is black. So, but it was, it was, it, you know, sometimes it gets scary, but you just have to realize that, yes, you have to know your lines, but for the most part, the public is not, the audience is not going to know exactly what your lines are. So if you mess up a line, don't backtrack and try to say it in because then they say, oh, he made a mistake there. Don't backtrack. Now, what advice would you give for yourself? You're 18 years old or like an 18 year old today who sort of wants to get into acting. Train, train as much as you possibly can learn from everybody, take everything in. Um, don't think, you know, it all, um, find someone to mentor you. That's so important because there's so many things that people will tell you things and you think, you know, things, but there's always going to come. I always learn today to this day. I still learn about the business, about the industry. Everybody still learns. You have to learn because things are changing. You know, like all the self-tape stuff and and the, z- the Zoom and all this, this is all new stuff. Like now you have to be a tech savant to be an actor where before you didn't. Yeah, no, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. How would people support you? You go to my website, um, warrenbub.com, which you just said. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, same name, uh, warrenbub, B-U-B. Uh, not be you, BB, you be, <laughs> and um, yeah, you can follow me there. And and for the most part, I have to say, I, I try to make myself accessible to anybody who has any questions about acting and stuff like that. Whatever you need, I, I, I'm always trying to be there as much as I can because I pride myself on that. Because you know, I watch other people, I watch other A-listers and friends who I've become friends with that are A-listers, and I see them out in public, and you know, they never turn down an autograph or a picture and stuff like that. And so I'm, I always make myself accessible because I don't want to be that guy that's like, please leave me alone. I won't do that. Yeah, it's true. You always answer my text when I call. You answer. It's it's always cool, and I know you're gonna you're gonna hit your goals. I want to thank you so much for your time. I know the listeners have gotten so much value, so really appreciate it. And then we'll do a part two one day. Yeah, man, I'd love to. You know, man, I, I could talk to you for hours about this. It, it flew by quick, and I hope I didn't talk too much. No, no. I mean, it was fun. It was fun. And I'd love to do another hour. We could do another hour whenever you want. I, I have more stories. More stories just pop into my head, but we'll, we'll save them for next time. All right. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing for everybody. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com. Yeah, so you got no degree, no problem, no problem.
Any problem, we can solve them. We got this. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. Growing and knowing, wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.